Hey everybody, Dr. Joel Miller here. Welcome to the Freedom to Flourish podcast here with Dr. Tim Augustiniak. Uh, today we're going to start getting into, we're going to get into mold. We're going to talk about mold toxicity. We're going to talk about what it is, where it comes from, how to find it if it's in your home. We're going to talk about how to test for it, how to, how to essentially diagnose it if it's an issue. We're going to talk about um, how to heal from it, how to support your body with detoxing mold and killing mold and all those different things. So um, thanks for tuning in. If you guys were here over the last couple of podcasts, we jumped into gut health and we took a pretty um, deep dive into gut health. We had to put that into two episodes because they were so long and uh, we we had a blast with it. And so if, if gut health is something that you're interested in, we definitely encourage you to check those out. Um, and I think you'll find them to be very beneficial. I know I've already had some patients telling me that they've they've really enjoyed listening to those. So um, check them out. Uh, Dr. Tim, how are you doing today? Good to see you. Doing good. Happy to be here. Um, this is going to be a great episode. Lots of things to talk about with mold. Hopefully it won't be too crazy long of an episode. Yeah. We're going to get into how mold affects the immune system, how it affects the gut, the mycotoxins and aldehydes that come with it, as well as kind of how to, how to even know if you have a mold issue, how to spot it, how to test for it, how to test for it in your home all those great things. So it's going to be hopefully really informative to everybody who's listening. Um, and we'll give you some good, uh, good stepping stones to at least get started if you think that you have an issue with mold. Um, <clears throat> if you're experiencing any sort of sickness or, you know, feelings that things just might not be right after you say you moved into a new home or a new apartment, um, whatever it is, uh, you could be having issues with mold. More often than not, when I hear that people are having issues with mold, it is after a move or after, um, you know, some sort of rainstorm or, or something like that that kind of brings things up. New office, new school, all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's plenty plenty of situations where mold can kind of take hold, um, and we're going to hopefully provide you with some good, good insight as to figure out where it is, how to get rid of it, um, and how to treat yourself for it and, and decrease sensitivity to the mold. Um, oftentimes I'll, I'll hear where I'll get a call from a mother of small children and her, uh, her husband's not having issues. Her kids aren't having issues, but she feels really sick. Um, and the house does test for mold. So why, why is she testing for it or having issues with it? And everybody else isn't. So we're going to kind of get into that, why that may be today as well. So, um, going to be a great episode. Um, all right. The first first topic that we're kind of going to cover is a general overview of what exactly mold is. So, Dr. Joel, you want to kind of take back over and go over that one? Yeah, let's do it. So mold in its simplest sense is a fungus, right? So if we have some kind of mold growth, you know, some people have, have literally seen black mold growing on their wall. Um, there's there's different types of mold. And we're not going to get into the different types too much because I, I think um, for this conversation and clinically, it's not that important. Um, but essentially, anytime you have this kind of fungus that's that's growing in, in this mold um, that's growing in your home, um, uh, in your workspace, in your school, uh, essentially, the fungus is going to give off little spores, little seeds into the air, and we call those mycotoxins. Those mycotoxins are uh, essentially what causes a lot of issues, right, with, with the mold toxicity. And we'll get into in just a little bit the different signs and symptoms there that, that 
people may experience with that uh, kind of toxicity. But essentially, those um, those seeds are going to kind of come off. They're going to be in the air. Those mycotoxins, we breathe them in, and then essentially they start. They're they're basically poisonous to us, right? Uh, you, you mentioned, you alluded to the fact that some people are more sensitive to mold than other people. And I believe the statistic that I heard was about 40% of people are, are kind of um, sensitive to mold issues. And so that's why sometimes you'll see, you know, some people in a family respond very poorly to a new environment. Some people do fine. So, um, so the, the, the mold in general is a fungus. It's going to give off these seeds that we call mycotoxins. We breathe those in and those can cause us issues if we're not able to readily detox them. Um, that's that's kind of my simplest explanation of kind of mold in the, in the general overview there, Dr. Tim. Is there anything that you would that you would add to that? No, I think that I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, it, so in addition to that, it's it's a matter of uh, how it enters your system and will affect digestion and, and, and all those other things as well. So um, there's the, the mold component, which is going to give you maybe some upper respiratory type symptoms where you might get some dripping in the back of your throat, a little bit of a cough, um, feelings of fatigue, a little bit rundown. Um, but if it takes hold in your digestive tract, it can lead to some sort of uh, overgrowth in the large or small intestine. Um, it can lead to other issues as well. And so um, I guess that's, that's the only other part, point I would add there. Yeah, for sure. So what are signs and symptoms of mold? So mold toxicity is really an issue that I think a lot of doctors and a lot of our healthcare system today has a hard time with diagnosing because um, number one, the symptoms are generally going to be different for every person. So if you give me five different people that have mold toxicity issues, generally people are going to have fatigue. People might have headaches. Um, people might have um, hormonal imbalances. They might have poor sleep. Uh, those are some of the more kind of general symptoms that people will have. Uh, there's other symptoms as well, right? Like chronic pain. Um, I would say brain fog is is definitely going to be a common symptom there. Um, a lot of people will have anxiety. Um, and then we get into some of the other uh, symptoms that kind of throws people for a loop with things, right? So the neurological symptoms, whether you have uh, some kind of radiating symptoms, some kind of numbness, tingling, things like that. Um, and then, you know, we, we talked, I talked a little bit about the mood with the anxiety, but you can also get depression and, and other issues like that. So um, there's a lot there. And essentially, the those combinations of symptoms are going to be different for every person. And that's why it can be really hard for doctors to be able to see all these different signs and symptoms and say, oh, that looks like mold. Now, obviously, you know, Dr. Tim, you and I are always looking for that with patients as far as considering that when we are working with people and just kind of taking that holistic approach, but it can be, it can be kind of, um, tricky. Uh, I think a lot of times for doctors to be able to narrow that down. Um, you know, we, uh, I think if, if for the listener, if you've been considering mold issues, um, we're going to get into in just a second, we're going to get into how to confirm that you might have mold issues and what that looks like. So um, that'll be important. But as far as the signs and symptoms of what people may experience, these are the main symptoms. Um, but to be honest, there's, you know, it could be, it's weird. It, it could be different for every person. And that's part of what makes detoxing mold um, kind of tricky. So um, let's talk about spotting mold in our environment. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about, okay, what if we think we have mold issues? Um, those are the signs and symptoms. We'll get into in a second how to diagnose it and confirm it, or we're going to talk about how to fix these issues. 
Um, but next, let's get into spotting mold in your environment. So mold can can be anywhere. Mold and this fungus is essentially going to grow in kind of these damp areas where there's just enough moisture to to kind of give it life. And so um, anywhere in your home, anywhere in your workspace, anywhere in your school where there is um, poor air circulation, uh, uh, any kind of past water damage, um, uh, really those two are, are the biggest ones. There's, there's going to be a chance for mold to grow. And one of the challenges with mold and, and understanding if it is growing or if it's in your environment is that you, you're no, normally not going to see it. It might be kind of above the ceiling tiles. It might be in the roof. It could be in the walls. It's going to be generally hard to see. Um, and so, um, you know, again, that kind of adds to some of the difficulty here. Um, uh, what was the, the next thing that I wanted to mention with that was um, one thing you can look for is signs of water damage. So if you go into like old buildings, um, sometimes just gas stations, sometimes even churches, things like that, um, old schools, if they've, if they're older than, you know, four five, six years, um, and, and on, oftentimes you can see kind of those yellow like circles in the ceiling tiles or different parts of the walls. And that's a sign that there was a, some kind of water damage there. And if that is not dried out well, if there's not good circulation, a lot of times it's going to turn into uh, a mold um, issue and uh, kind of cause some some issues with that air quality. So just some things to look for there as far as um, kind of how to spot it in your environment and, and what to look for. Um, Dr. Tim, is there anything you would, you would kind of add to that when, when you're telling patients about you know, what to look for as far as mold around the house or, or their work environment, things like that? It can sometimes be rather tricky to find, like you were saying, in the walls, in the ceiling, all those things. Um, another great place to look is um, near your faucets, you know, the spigot of your shower, things like mm -hmm. that, where you might not readily see there being an issue, but maybe it's just hidden behind the paint, where if you were to take the caps off, you can see that it's kind of leaking into the wall or, um, you know, under windows. If windows aren't sealed properly, you can get hidden issues where you have hidden water damage that you don't even realize. Um, a couple of years ago, my parents actually, they were going to get the bathroom in my childhood home uh, redone. And uh, they started pulling tiles off and it ended up being a job that was much bigger than they expected. Um, just because the window wasn't sealed properly and the entire wall up there had all kinds of water damage and they needed to replace all kinds of wood. Um, so it, it can be kind of tricky, but bathrooms, um, laundry rooms, your kitchen, ch like check under your, your kitchen sink. Um, mm -hmm. all, those, all those areas where there is plumbing that's active through there and you're using them frequently, um, as well as under windows are, are really good spots to look for it. Um, and to just be aware that although you might not see it, um, you can't discredit that there may be mold there uh, because it could require pulling drywall off to be able to see anything. Um, and so that kind of brings up our, our next point of like testing. So how can we test our home to know if there is mold? Uh, because if we're reacting to it and it's in our home, there's some sort of, free floating spores, mycotoxins, all those things in the air. Um, but if we can't see them, how do we, how do we know what they are? So that's where testing the home and, uh, you know, testing dust, testing the air, um, some of these at home kit test kits, you'll, you'll just go through and kind of swab different parts of your house, different vents, um, 
near areas where you think may be affected, like your bedroom, um, your living room, areas where you are in your house very frequently. Um, then from there, it'll tell you if, it, if it's there or if it's not there. Um, and even if you don't see anything, if that test does come back positive, you can rest assured that it's probably hidden somewhere behind some drywall or in a ceiling, somewhere where it's not easily spotted. Um, even if, you know, even if it's a new home, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's a home that you just moved into and it appears to be in great shape, there could have been, you know, there could have been a bit of a flood or some sort of leak that they totally dried out and repaired. But even in those instances, unless you totally remove everything and dry everything completely, replace all the, the studs in the wall, all the drywall, whatever it may be, there can still be issues there. And so it can be kind of tricky to track down. And that's where testing the home is, is very, very, very necessary. Um, there are some ho uh, home test kits that you can even get at Home Depot that seem to have pretty pretty decent reviews. I don't have great experience with those. Um, I know Dr. Joel, he was mentioning, it's called the, uh, the Ermi mold test kit, um, where that's provided by a couple different labs. It's it's between two and, and three hundred dollars uh, just from doing a little research online, um, and that seems to be pretty good. Doctor Joel, do you have anything you kind of want to elaborate on with that? Or um... yeah, yeah. Full disclosure with the lab testing uh, for mold, as far as um, sorry, not lab testing, but in-home test kits. I don't have a ton of experience personally with them. Um, the Ermi test kit, which is spelled E-R-M-I, you look that up online. There's a number of different providers with that. Um, essentially, like Dr. Tim said, they're going to run around $200, um, 200 to 300, somewhere in that range. And essentially what you do is, um, it's basically just, you place it out in, in a, you know, certain part of your room and it's going to collect different, um, germs and so forth in the air. And then you're going to send it in and they're going to kind of run a culture on it and see what all is growing on that, on that dish. So, um, that I've heard great things about that. A lot of doctors that I've talked with that are that have great success with mold issues and they see a lot of mold, uh, patients. Um, they've had, they've had really good success and they, a lot of them recommend the Ermi test kit. So that's something to look into uh, with all the test kits though. It's, you know, just good to do research and just kind of compare different reviews and, and see what is, what is good. Now, um, you know, when we talk about confirming if you have mold in your home, the test kits can be really good. Um, it's also not a bad idea to do a little bit of research and contact um, kind of a mold expert, uh, somebody that will come to your home and look around and investigate a little bit. Um, and whether you pursue that or you pursue maybe um, diagnosis of mold issues with yourself before investigating the home very thoroughly, um, you know, it, it just kind of depends on on where you're at with things and and what makes most sense to you. But I think that's the only thing I would add to that. So yeah, the Ermi test kit, there's other test kits. I would definitely encourage you to look into them and just kind of do some research and, and see kind of what, what seems to, to, uh, to be a great quality test. And, uh, you know, again, I, I generally recommend the Ermi test kit for patients. So, um, now let's, let's jump into diagnosing mold and then, um, we're going to get into how to fix these mold issues and, how to go about that with our own health and our own body, but also with our, our house or home and, and so forth. Cause that's, that's very important to not only figure out if we do have mold issues, but to figure out, okay, if so, like, where's it coming from? So, um, let's talk about diagnosing mold. So you've got different mold signs and symptoms. Um, and you are, you know, suspecting that you have some kind of mold issue. So, um, 
number one with uh, with diagnosing, you can run some lab tests. So uh, the best lab test that I'm aware of, the only lab test that I would run for my patients is called the Mycotox Profile from Great Plains Laboratory. Um, I made a YouTube video on kind of mold detox and wrote some articles on it. In those, um, and even if you just go online and search up uh, Great Plains Laboratory Mycotox Profile, that's M-Y-C-O-T-O-X, profile, you can find a sample of that test. Um, it's a blood draw and it basically checks um, a bunch of different types of, of fungus um, in your system. So that can be that can be really, really good. Um, that test, as far as price wise, uh, off the top of my head, I think it's a, at least a two, three, maybe four hundred dollars. Um, probably depends on the provider as well. Um, but that's a really good test to consider. Uh, the other way that you can diagnose mold issues is um, primarily how it's my my primary selection, my primary choice for when I'm working with patients. And I know Dr. Tim will will utilize this as well, but using the, the neurological testing, using the muscle testing and uh, with the applied kinesiology, being able to figure out, OK, is there a mold toxicity issue here? Um Number one, uh, is it here? Number two, what's needed to detox it? And then number three, is there an infection that's come from the, the mycotox uh, or toxicity? And, you know, what do we need to address that? So um, there's a couple of pros and cons with, um, with each of these. I would say the biggest pro for the lab test is going to be you, you get numbers with it. You get a big picture, you get numbers, and you can see if it's, you know, through the roof or if it's, it's moderate and so forth. The challenge with the lab test, though, is you can't necessarily test um, what's needed to fix the issue. Um, and then I would argue you, you can't necessarily, from that alone, you won't find any kind of fungal infection that's uh, developed from the mold toxicity issues. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind uh, when considering that test. Now, um, obviously there's there's no harm in running the test you're going to get information it's just a matter of if you want to spend the hundreds of dollars um, on the other hand the testing that we do in our appointments and so forth with the technique that we do um, we're able to figure out if there's a mold toxicity what's needed to detox it and then if there is an infection that's developed from it and it's some kind of dysbiosis issue the one con to our approach with that is we can't see necessarily the severity of things as far as numbers um, on a scale. Um, but I, I would argue personally that, um, it's, it's less important, um, because when we're able to find the mold issue, figure out what's needed to detox it and kill it, if it's turned into an infection, you know, patients get better. Um, and so, uh, as patients get better, all their symptoms go away and, and they are becoming healthy. Um, essentially the, the, the number of, you know, mold spores and things like that is, is less important, uh, I believe. So, um, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of my approach. It's kind of our approach to diagnosing mold. You've got the blood test that you can do. You've got the different types of kind of functional neurology, the muscle testing and being able to get to the bottom of those things. And as always, if you're new to listening to our, to our podcast, uh, we're, we're really big on a technique called systems healthcare. So it's built off of applied kinesiology and it's amazing at getting to the root of these different issues. So there's a lot of different practitioners that do muscle testing in general um, and everybody does it a different way. Um, we're convinced and have extreme confidence in this specific, specific technique 
and just its ability to to do things with extreme specificity. So that's that's how I go about diagnosing and figuring out if patients have mold is either through the lab test and or through the the functional neurology, the muscle testing. Uh, Dr. Tim, anything that you would add to that? Anything else that you like to do with your patients? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I, I heavily rely on the applied kinesiology side of things, uh, mainly for, like you said, it's it's really difficult to figure out where to go with things without it. Um, you can have the test light up like a Christmas tree that you've got all these, you know, you're reacting to all these different types of mold. But um, if you don't know exactly what sort of things that are, are testing to help with that patient and their, their mold issue, you're not going to be able to treat it as effectively. And it's going to be a very long road. Um, a lot of different mold protocols are, are three to six months um, where other functional medicine doctors, they'll, they'll have people go on these protocols of these, uh, a wide variety of these broad spectrum antimicrobials for, for months at a time, in addition to um, going on very, very restrictive diets to, do, to deal with the hyper reactivity to it. Um, and then from there, it's, it's a matter of do they have to keep doing that forever to keep symptoms at bay? And if that's the if that's the answer, yes, then you're not really finding the root of the issue. If right. you're solving the issue, you shouldn't react to things anymore. Yep. Um, and so, utilizing the system healthcare, we can figure out: okay, is it is it more of a mold toxicity that's affecting the immune system? And let's address it that way. Is it more of a mold issue that has taken hold in the gut? And let's let's address the gut complaint. But regardless of whether it's the chicken or the egg, there. Um, what we can address as well is, is the aldehyde component or mycotoxin component where, um, like you're saying, uh, you know, numbness or tingling, if you get, if you get, uh, like thoracic outlet type syndromes where symptoms, where you get numbness in your hands when you're doing things shortly after you have like a gut issue or you moved into a new home, that's a great indicator for an aldehyde toxicity, um, it, within, within the technique that we utilize the, where we'll find aldehyde issues to test very often is off of the the pec minor due to the correlation with liberty detoxification of aldehydes um and so things that you can utilize to to help mitigate that are things like molybdenum or niacinamide and, and a few other things um but it can be tricky there's the balance of the immune or gut component of things and then the balance of the aldehyde component and if you if you don't treat both very often there will still be some mold or dysbiosis that holds on and uh, you, that's, that, that ends up being the case where people will go on these big, long protocols where they feel great, but it's only if they stick to like the carnivore diet or other restrictive diets with it, because you're, you're essentially balancing the immune system to eliminate the hyperreactivity to things, as well as eliminating the food for the mold and other fungi that may be, that may be present. And so if you're eliminating that, symptoms will reduce. It's just a matter of... Uh, finding what will keep it gone even without doing these heavily restrictive diets and that's where um i'm a huge fan of, of why we do how we do things and why we do them because if you deal with the, the mold issue if you deal with the gut issue and you deal with the aldehydes they shouldn't have any issues anymore and sure here and there maybe maybe they get really stressed or um they get sick and they become more susceptible to these issues again they may need, you know, one herb for about, you know, 10 days to two weeks. Okay. And then, then it's good to go. Um, but it, it takes eliminating all those things in conjunction to, to really solve the issue. Um, so with, without that, it can, it can still linger. So, um, that's, 
that's my two cents there. So, um, cool. yes, thanks. I think that's they, a good, good way to wrap that up. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing. So, um, let's jump into a couple of things. I'm going to take a step back. Dr. Tim just, uh, mentioned a lot of awesome things and, uh, there's so much, so much there. So we'll try to unpack this a little bit more. Um, when we talk about diagnosing mold, a couple of things, number one, um, if you've done a lot of research with diagnosing, or I'm sorry, detoxing mold and addressing mold issues, uh, you've probably seen, you know, a lot of uh, different practitioners recommending different binders, whether it's activated charcoal or maybe bentonite clay, something along those lines um, to uh, attempt to bind the, the mold spores and, and get them out of the body. Um, a lot of different protocols, um, like Dr. Tim mentioned, can be, you know, hey, you want to do this for three months, you want to do this for six months. I had a, a patient recently that was doing some research and she was asking me, hey, does it take five months to truly detox mold? And, and I said, no, I said, I don't think so. And a lot of the success that we've had in our practice, uh, our practices, uh, Dr. Tim, you and I, I think is uh, really profound that you can detox mold as, in as fast as two to three weeks, as long as you're not being exposed to it and you have the right nutrients to do so. So let's take a step back and talk about that a little bit more. Mold in its most um, you know, basic chemi uh, sense, chem chemically wise, uh, chemistry wise, uh, mold is an, considered an acetaldehyde. Uh, acetaldehydes are essentially any kind of chemicals that, um, you know, they're going to be in the air, we're going to smell them, things like that. And so if somebody has like a sensitivity, for example, to candles, a sensitivity to smells, things like that, then chances are they have an acetaldehyde toxicity. Now, if you have an acetaldehyde toxicity, since mold is chemically in acetaldehyde, you, you could be actually just a mold toxicity, could be that you have acetaldehydes coming from different gut dysbiosis, gut infections, and things like that. But when we talk about this acetaldehyde um, understanding, it's, it's foundational. Because with acetaldehydes, when we talk about detoxing them and breaking them down in the liver, there's four nutrients that are needed to undergo this pathway to turn it into acetic acid. And so as I'm talking about acetaldehydes, I'm really talking about mold here. So four things that chemically will break down mold and turn it into acetic acid which is actually goes into the Krebs cycle and helps us make energy. Um, there's four nutrients. So one is vitamin B2, riboflavin, uh, vitamin B3, niacinamide, uh, iron, and then molybdenum. And so when Dr. Tim and I are working on mold patients, we're figuring out, okay, what nutrients are, does this patient have and what nutrients does this patient not need or not have and they need? Um, a lot of times, uh, every time actually, I would argue, if you have all four nutrients and good amounts in your system, you're going to detox the mold and it's, it's going to be perfect. You're going to detox it within, I would, again, I would argue two to three weeks, um, at best with that. And that's usually the, the type of kind of things that we'll see now it's extremely important. Uh, we've kind of alluded to this a couple of times, but it's extremely important to understand that the mold spores, if they're in your system for, uh, any kind of longer period of time, four weeks, six weeks, and so on, the spores can grow and turn into a fungal infection that's usually going to take hold in your gut, whether it's your small intestine, large intestine, and that kind of thing. So if you have chronic mold exposure, it's really important to understand that you need to detox the mold spores, and then you also need to effectively 
address the mold infection in your gut. Usually that infection is going to result in a lot of bloating, gas, poor digestion, reactions to foods. Um, it could result in migraines and things like that, but it'll also result in a vitamin B2 and an iron deficiency. So it's kind of a nasty cycle where you get a mold toxicity issue. Over time, it turns into a mold infection, which then feeds, that fungus feeds on your iron and B2. Now you have a deficiency with two of the things that are actually needed to help detox this mold. And then over time, your body will start taking all of the niacinamide, the B3, and all of the molybdenum in your system and aim it towards detoxing the mold spores. Now you have a niacinamide and a molybdenum deficiency, and that's going to impact so many different um, systems with our health, so many different hormone issues, so many different detoxification pathways and so forth. So it's important to, to keep all that in mind. Um, as far as jumping into diagnosis uh, with patients, generally patients are needing niacinamide B3, which I think I've mentioned this in some of my other videos, but um, the niacinamide from Thorn is the only company I like to use with that. I'm not sponsored by them here in this video or, or podcast or anything like that, but um, that's what I found to, to work extremely well. And then molybdenum, you can get a lot of different, you can get molybdenum from a lot of different places. Um, I think biotics research is probably the, the main one I like to use for patients, but niacinamide and molybdenum are needed for almost every mold patient and mold case. Um, and then you've got to figure out, okay, it, is this a chronic issue? And if so, what, what's needed to kill the fungus in the gut? You have to address them both at the same time, um, effectively and successfully in order to be able to resolve mold issues in as little as two to three weeks. And so how do you go about addressing the fungus issues in the gut? A lot of times you're going to, you're going to want herbs with that. So the top herbs, um, Dr. Tim, I'll have you share your clinical insights and expertise on this too, but the herbs I'll see is some kind of combination between maybe astragalus, malia, golden seal, golden thread, or morinda. There's probably about five there. And for every mold patient, they usually are needing two of those, some combination of two of them, but it's, it's different for every patient, which makes it a little bit tricky. So if you can detox effectively with the niacinamide and molybdenum, you have the right herbs to address things. Then as you kill the fungus in, in your gut, you're going to get your iron and B2 back, and then you're effectively going to be able to detox the spores. So um, that's kind of kind of big picture how I like to go through um, basically helping patients detox through these things and through these pathways. Dr. Tim, I know that you, you touched on this a little bit, but anything else that you wanted to kind of add to that and, and kind of complement that? Uh, the last thing I would add is just stressing the importance of those listening at home to not just immediately take B2, B3, niacinamide, and yep. I'm sorry, uh, molybdenum and iron. If you if you were to take any of those four, you, you kind of harped on this a little bit. Niacinamide and molybdenum are the way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually, those two are the ones that I'll find to test. If not, most of the time, molybdenum. Um, but because B2 or riboflavin and iron can feed the gut bugs uh, and fungus that's, that's taken hold there, even if you are needing that to clear the aldehyde issue, you do not want to make the gut issue any worse by, by feeding that. And so if, if you're just listening at home and you're using this as like a little clinical tidbit to help self-treat yourself, stay away from those two. Stay away from riboflavin, stay away from iron. Um, if you clear up the gut issues, um, which, I mean, it can be very difficult if you're doing that on your own. Mm -hmm. um, stay stay away from those two things because you just do not want to make that worse. Um, and like you were saying with clearing up the mold issue itself, uh, a variety of different berberines, you know, uh, like you said, golden thread, golden seal, uh, organ grapefruit, 
Um, and then Thorin also has a supplement called just berberine. Um, those are all great antimicrobials. And then, like you said, astragalus, um, neem, noni fruit, all those things. Um, I'll often see things like osha root or uh, every now and then andrographis. Um, and then there's a few others, but they don't really show up that much. If you were, yep. if you're at home listening, stick to your main berberines, your golden thread, golden seal, Oregon grape, um, your, your neem or, Mar or Malia, uh, from Supreme Nutrition or Noni fruit or Mirinda from Supreme Nutrition. Those are some really good ones. Um, every now and then I will see that there's like a biofilm issue with that stuff as well, specifically mm -hmm. with, um, as it relates to the mold or fungus issues with stuff. Um, yep. and that will require things like clove or thyme, rosemary, um, oregano or eucalyptus sometimes. Um, it's just a matter of patient by patient basis. And if they're not getting better, why aren't they getting better? So that's when you kind of dig into, is there some sort of biofilm issue? Um, and that's where, you know, utilizing the techniques that we utilize or the systems healthcare, we can figure out, okay, what is the, what is the one thing that you need? And I, I struggle to even bash any other doctors because most people that do just normal functional medicine, they don't, um, they don't utilize the applied kinesiology to figure out exactly what you need. So if it can be 15 different things, how can you possibly narrow it down to one or two things to yep. give somebody in a, in a more therapeutic dose in a shorter period of time? Yep. It's just, it's a crapshoot at that point. Um, and so if, if you're, if you're listening at home, yes, I, I would definitely recommend if, if you have this issue to, you know, do one or two things and, and do them at a pretty decent dose. Um, but that's just within a hard clinical experience. Those, those who aren't listening, those other functional medicine docs who, who do it their way and they've seen, seen success. Um, a lot of times it is more stuff for a longer period of time at a lower dose. Yeah. Uh, and that's where with, with what we do, we can kind of figure that out a little bit better, but, um, yeah. just reiterate, stay away from the B2 and iron. If you're listening at home, all yeah. the other herbs and then molybdenum and, uh, niacinamide are, are, are fair game, but make sure to stay away from those unless you really work closely with somebody who can help you identify if, if that's an issue that's feeding those, those bugs. Great advice. Excellent. Uh, I would, you know, to, to piggy off that piggyback off that just a second. Um, also be careful with herbs. Uh, herbs are super powerful. Uh, they can be extremely healing. Um, but if it's an herb that doesn't, you know, it's, it's, if it doesn't resonate with your system, if it's not a good herb for you and your, your gut and so forth, it could also cause issues. So you just want to be careful with that. And as Dr. Tim said, work with a, work with a professional that's, that's really, really good and experienced with a lot of this. So, um, Dr. Tim, that was awesome. Hey, we've got to wrap up. I want to touch on one or two more things here and then we'll, um, and then if there's anything else that you want to add to this, um, then that would be wonderful. I think this has been, Excellent. I think this has been wonderful to, to walk through all these different things and talk about these things more in depth. A um, couple other things I want to add. If you ever walk into a space and you start developing headaches, you start getting a sinus stuffiness, you have a runny nose, if you start getting any kind of symptoms, you start breaking out in sweat. These are all different signs and symptoms that you may be breathing in mold spores. You may be have just been ex exposed to a lot of these different issues. Um, I know it's going to be different for every person, but essentially, um, with, you know, being exposed to a lot of these things, you can, um, develop different symptoms pretty immediately. So 
if you ever do develop these symptoms, um, you know, think about, hey, could there be mold in the air? Some people can actually sense or uh, kind of feel or smell that there's like a must, uh, kind of a muskiness in the air. And that's pretty common with, with mold things. But those people are usually, you know, much more sensitive to their surroundings and so forth. So number one, if you ever find that you that you walk into a space and you start developing these different weird symptoms and things, stuffiness, headache, um, things like that, that's a very good sign that, hey, the air you're breathing in is is very impure and there, there may be some mold issues. Uh, the, the second thing and the last thing that I'll mention here before we kind of sign off is if you're living in a mold space and you know there's mold and you can't get out, how do you go about addressing that? Number one, you need to be taking niacinamide B3 and you need to be taking molybdenum every single day, about three times a day. And you need to make sure you're doing it at um, the right doses. Um, that The right dose is going to be different for every person. Um, but um, essentially with... Um, uh, I'll, I'll probably, I'll have to find some numbers there and, and share that at some point, but it's going to be different for every person, but you need to be taking it three times a day so that whatever you're, you're taking in your body's detoxing it. Number two, if it's, um, obviously if it's in your home or a living space, you want to try to address it. Um, you want to get some experts out to look at it, start renovating it, cleaning it out and all those different things. Uh, it might help to have some kind of really good air purifier. Uh, one that I personally use and will recommend for patients is called the Air Triad, uh, the My Air Triad. Um, it has, um, I think I've alluded to this in some other videos, but it has, um, it has ozone technology. It also has, um, uh, uh, what what is the word that I'm thinking of? <laughs> It'll come to me. It has technology that essentially is going to strip off electrons and. Uh, and basically send the charged particles out into the air. So it binds with whatever's in the air and kind of gets heavy and drops to the ground. That's kind of the short version there. Um, but um, that can be extremely important to just have that running in your house to really try to mitigate a lot of the impure air that, that might be around until you can get it all cleaned up. Um, and then if, um, if it's in a workspace where you're, you're going to work and you know it's there, and you know obviously I'd recommend, hey, See if you can get your management and so forth to try to address the mold issues, renovate and so forth. If not, um, you know, you can also see if you can get a good air purifier in there. Um, but all in all, even the air purifier is not going to 100 percent take the mold issue away. You're still going to be exposed somewhat in which that case it's really hard. But I'm usually recommending patients, you know, consider, a, you know, finding a different place to work and a different job and things like that. Again, really hard, really difficult. I hate telling patients that, but mold is mold is a serious thing and can just run your health into the ground if it is at your work what you want to do when you leave your work is when you get home you want to take your clothes off you want to put them in the washer because they've got all kinds of dandruff and mold spores and things like that on them and then generally you want to consider taking a shower and just kind of cleaning off um, blow your nose out things like that um, to really try to to get it out of your system um, Sometimes it's, it's good to vacuum down your car as well. If you've constantly been exposed to really moldy areas, you get in your car, drive home, all those different things. Um, mold will stay around in your system for years and years and years until it's detox. It'll stay on your clothes. It'll stay on your items. And so being able to clean some of that up can be really helpful. Um, Dr. Tim, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. What, <laughs> what else do you have to add in before we, before we uh, close up today? Last thing I want to cover is uh, this thing that we always talk about tolerance. Um, so with, with mold specifically, um, 
or even just any sort of immune issue, like whether it be metals or some other infection, um, we always use the term tolerance. So with mold specifically, like you said, if it's, if it's in your house, if it's in your workplace, whatever it is, if we can really get to the root of the issue and deal with the mold, deal with your gut, deal with the aldehyde issue that may be coming with it, you shouldn't really react to it as much anymore. You should sort of form this, uh, this relationship with it where your body just sort of ignores it at that point and you don't have that, that crazy immune reaction. Um, every now and then, you know, we will have patients where it's, it just doesn't work out that way, where there's a lot of underlying things that contribute to that immune hypersensitivity. Um, but for the most part, if you do deal with the underlying mold issue, you are not doomed to having a mold issue forever. It's just a matter of let's let's deal with the infection, yep. let's deal with the mycotoxins, and let's help your body uh, deal with immune tolerance and, and kind of balance out, um, so that way you don't you don't react to things as much. Mm -hmm. If we can get to that point, you should be good to go. Uh, it's yep. just a matter of of actually getting there and treating things effectively. And so, um, if you're if you're seeking out care uh, for this issue specifically, um, you can find us online. Um, my website is draugustiniak.com. That's just D-R-A-U-G-U-S-T-Y-N-I-A-K.com. Um, and then with that, um, you can also find uh, Dr. Joel on his website, and he'll, he'll share that in a minute. But you can also find other docs who do systems healthcare at systemshealthcare.net. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a little tab that says find a practitioner, where there's a list of all of us who are certified in that technique, who uh, utilize that in our practices every single day. Um, yep. And as far as it goes for dealing with mold issues, gut issues, and the aldehyde issues that can arise from all those things. Um, I, I, in my experience, I, I have found that other techniques really struggle to find the root and, and deal with it in a lasting way. Yep. And uh, we, we find this technique to be very specific and very thorough. And, and that's why we do things this way. So um, I'm definitely biased, but I, I highly recommend if, you, if you're dealing with these issues um, and you're, you're trying to find somebody to help you work through them, Give us a call, reach out over email, find our website, whatever, whatever you got to do um, and try to find somebody in your area or somebody that you can at least get to relatively easily. Um, there's a, not a lot of us. Um, there's like less than 20, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, we're around that number. Um, but hopefully you'll be lucky enough and there'll be somebody in your area that can help you with this stuff uh, in the way that we do. Um, all right. And with that, um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. I'm all on all the social media. Um, not on MySpace, so we'll have to leave that one out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, find me online. I, I post all sorts of reels from these uh, podcasts, um, as well as some other posts every now and then. Um, and for those listening, if if you are in the Bentonville area, um, next Thursday, or I'm sorry, next Wednesday, the 31st at 6:30, I am doing a health talk at my at my uh, office. It's going to cover uh, essentially how blood sugar and stress relate to all sorts of other issues and why if you're going to have some sort of New Year's resolution and get your year started off right, um, the one thing that you need to do is make sure that you are eliminating hormone dependence to regulate your blood sugar because mm -hmm. it bogs down the liver, steals resources from all sorts of other bodily processes and hormones, um, and it leads to a whole slew of health issues. So um, if you can, come on down to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to see everybody there. Um, and then yeah, Dr. Joel, take it away.
Yep. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Dr. Tim, by the way, is located in Bentonville, Arkansas, for those listening. If you're new here, I'm Dr. Joel Miller, located here in the Dallas, Texas area. Um, like Dr. Tim mentioned, if you're not local or semi-close to either of us, definitely go on the systemshealthcare.net website and look for a, a practitioner that might be closest to you. And don't be afraid to travel a little bit. I know a lot of our patients will travel multiple, multiple hours, sometimes over several states to, to see us. Uh, that's Dr. Tim, myself, and a lot of the systems healthcare practitioners. So definitely give them a shot. They're going to be really, really proficient at being able to get to the bottom of these issues. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find me online. He mentioned uh, my website, drjoelmiller.com. You can find me on all the different social medias um, and uh, would love to connect with you if you have any questions or um, are dealing with any issues. Uh, next, we're going to get into our, in our next podcast, we're going to get into, uh, I believe, uh, Lyme and some other um, tick-borne illnesses. We're going to get into some hormone issues uh, in, in the next episode. And and we've got some other fun things coming on. So guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. We love and appreciate all of you. Um, and we'll see you guys in the next one.